Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and today we are covering a very important topic, mental health and relationships, with my guest, Nedra Tabab. She joins us today to share how implementing boundaries can create and strengthen healthy relationships. Now, Nedra is a licensed therapist and sought-after relationship expert. She has practiced relationship therapy for 12 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. Her philosophy is that a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlie most relationship issues. And she joins us today to share current research and practices for anxiety, depression, and of course relationships, identifying the signs when boundaries are needed, such as neglecting self-care, resentment, resentment, overwhelm, and avoidance, how to communicate and honor your boundaries, and understanding the three levels of boundaries and those three levels are porous, rigid, and healthy, common ways that people will respond to boundaries and identifying boundary violations. So Nidra, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, I'm sorry, I think I just mispronounced your first name. Is it Nedra or Nidra? Nedra. That's what I thought. I said it right the first time. Totally blew it the second time, but good morning and welcome to your partner in Success Radio. Yes, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So listen, um, you had a little bit of trouble getting in, so I don't know how much of the introduction you heard, but go ahead and tell people who you are and why you're here to, to talk about mental health and boundaries. And listen, I am a big proponent of boundaries. I will tell anybody who will listen, if you get within six inches of my face, I'm probably going to bloody your nose. I've said this all of my life. Boundaries are important, but I don't think that's what you're here to talk about. So give people an inkling of of who you are and what you do, and then let's get to talking about what you're here to share. Yes, so I am a therapist, and I have a community on Instagram where I dispense information about mental health and relationships. I've been a therapist for 14 years, and just in March, I released my first book, Boundaries, Fine Peace, which is all about the ins and outs of setting healthy boundaries. Excellent. Let's talk about boundaries because, look, there's a lot of keyboard warriors, and this is a big gripe with me. There are an awful lot of people who get very, very pushy, nasty, actually vicious with their keyboards. They have no boundaries. And I don't know if we're talking about that today or not, but I think people who can say, listen, I'm not going to tolerate your nonsense and just block or you just say, I'm not going to put up with your crap, basically. That's a boundary of, of a time. 
Yes, absolutely. I think the Internet certainly has created a space where people feel more free to share their opinions. And sometimes those opinions are helpful and sometimes they're harmful. And when they're harmful, we have to protect ourselves in those spaces. And that might look like um, blocking people, muting them, deleting them. There are so many things that we can put in, into play to protect ourselves in even an online space. And I think, and I see this a lot. I'm wondering if you do. People say, oh, I don't want to be mean. What? What do you mean you don't want to be mean? This person has basically walked into your living room or your office or wherever your keyboard has, happens to be and just trashed you or the people around you or your country or your industry or something. Why in the world would you think saying, see you later, is mean? I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's seen as mean because you are so uncomfortable advocating for yourself. No matter how you say it, uh-huh. it's possible that someone will think think of it as mean. You can you can say it with a smile on your face. You can you know you can say it very mean. Either way, if people don't want to hear it, they will say that it's mean. But just because you're asking for something does not mean that it's mean. And many times, it's very protective. Well, that makes sense. So uh, we've got a whole list of things that I have questions about. Like you you had uh, indicated in our pre-interview that you've been doing a lot of current research and practices for anxiety, depression, ship, and how those impact our relationships. So let's start there and work our way down because I've got a list. I've got a whole big old list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. with anxiety and depression, oh, Go ahead. You had a question. No, no. I thought I had lost you. We have a seems like we have a bit of a delay, and I wasn't sure if I'd lost you. So I was just going to say, "Hey, you're still there," but no, keep on going. Yeah. So with anxiety and depression, I think one of the biggest challenges is um, so often we get stuck in these patterns of thinking, and it's very hard to pull yourself out of it. And when you think that people will be upset, when you think that setting a boundary will ruin a relationship, the anxiety really kicks in and leads you to believing that's true, and it makes you feel paralyzed, and it makes you want to avoid setting the boundary, which actually prolongs the existence of issues in your relationship is really not helpful to avoid setting boundaries. Um, and when we don't set those boundaries, many times we feel disempowered, which feeds into our depression of not being able to control so many of the things in our lives that are important to us. It's so important that we think about how this relationship, how this situation is making us feel, and really consider the boundaries needed. You know, one of my early business coaches asked me a question. Just, I think it was an off-the-cuff question, and it really had me going, oh, I had not thought about that. And I'm pretty good with boundaries. It's, I've always been good with boundaries. But what I didn't realize that I wasn't really good at not tolerating some things. And she asked me just, like I said, off the cuff, she said, well, Denise, what are you tolerating? 
I had to stop and think about that. And I remember being in the car with my, my best friend. We were heading for Atlanta, Georgia. It's a 10-hour drive. And I had a lot of time to think because we're both fairly quiet people. And all of a sudden, I asked her, what are you tolerating? And we had probably a six-hour conversation about we were tolerating. I mean, it wasn't ongoing. It was just, you know, over the period of the drive, we talked about it a lot. turned out we were tolerating between us an awful lot, and a lot of it was not good for us. So I think that goes into boundaries, too. You can create those boundaries. But if you're still tolerating some of the garbage that goes with those boundaries, maybe you've only gone halfway. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is so hard to think about all the things we tolerate and the power we have to really release the things that we are allowing. Um, I get a lot of questions about, you know, like let's say my friend is always complaining to me about her partner. How do I... Um, like shift the conversation. And I think it's really important for us to let people know, hey, I understand you have this issue, but I'm not in a space where I can help you with it or I feel like it's an ongoing problem. And the thing that might be most helpful for you is to talk to maybe a therapist or go to couples counseling with your partner. Because sometimes people do not know our capacity, and it's very important that we let them know what we can and cannot tolerate. And you know what I found, Nedra? The worst abuser of tolerating is guess who? Me. The garbage <laughs> that I tolerate from myself, it's better now because I've become aware of it. But I would just look at myself and go, you have got to be kidding me. Really? Yeah, I'm sure we all do that. You know, the worst tolerance is from our own self because we, my mother used to tell me I should have been an attorney because I could talk out of both sides of my mouth and ride that fence hard. You know, I could do whatever I wanted to, talk myself in, talk myself out, talk myself back in. You know, it was just bizarre. But once I realized mm-hmm. I was doing that, I became a lot more aware of what I was tolerating and who was doing the tolerating, and I was the worst offender. Mm. Yeah, sometimes we are the biggest violators of our boundaries. We think it's other people. We think that we have to tell them more. We need to do more with them. And really, we need to do more with ourselves. We need to do lots of work around protecting our energy, letting people know what, you know, might be a okay conversation and what's an off-limits conversation. Those are very important things to share with other people and not to just keep to yourself. And it doesn't have to be offensive, and I can almost hear people going, yeah, but, oh, I don't want to hurt her feelings. Talking about, you know, when you started talking about the relationship, you know, husband-wife thing, I actually lost a very good friend because she wouldn't stop. It got so bad that I'm pretty convinced that she lost her mind. I mean, she was not healthy, but she was dragging me with Mm. her, and I kept saying, I'm not the person to talk to about this. Yes, I'm, you know, I feel for you and I've watched it, but you're not doing anything about it. You're just complaining about it endlessly. And it finally got to the point where I had to say, stop, leave me alone. I cannot take any more of this. Mm. And it, it was bad. It really was, but it wasn't healthy for anybody around this poor girl. So can you give us some examples of what people, when they're, they're caught up in something where 
they're the sounding board, but nothing has changed forever, and it's not going to. Do you have some examples of what we can do to say this has to stop? Whether you're going to stop or I'm going to stop, somebody has to draw the line in the sand and say no more. Mm. Yeah, it's really important for you to to say um, perhaps we've reached the end of the road with being able to discuss this issue, and it's a higher level thing that I as a friend can't help you with. And oh, that's really, great. I feel like, yeah, and I really, you know, I think a lot of times we need to let people know that continuing to have unhelpful conversations around things that you really can't help people with is damaging to the relationship. You know, if, if something is leading you to not want to talk to your friend because you're tired of hearing about it, can you say that in a loving and kind way? Can you say to them, I feel like whenever we talk, we're talking about this same thing. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm super concerned about you. And I recognize my ability to not be able to help you. And so for us to continue to communicate, I think it would be helpful if we talked about other topics. And see, that is perfect, but it's difficult to do, isn't it? I had a hard time doing it. I finally just got mm-hmm. to the point where I wouldn't answer the phone anymore. It was just like yeah. and 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, there was always a crisis. It wore me out. Um, this was years ago, yeah. and I'm just thinking about it wears me out all over again. <laughs> so it wasn't salvageable, but the way that you're saying it, it could have been had I gone down that road, I didn't. And I'm actually sorry about that, but the relief was immense when I just said, no more, no more, we're done. And nobody wants yeah. to get to that, I don't think. It's it's not the way you want to, you don't really want to sever a relationship, whether it's a loved one, a family member, husband, wife, or somebody on Facebook. If you can find a way to say, is there some something else we can do here? And I think that's what you're yeah. talking about is, you know, anxiety with relationships and it's getting look I spend a lot of time on the internet I have to I'm a social media marketer I'm a web developer this I'm convinced that the internet was made for me I just let y'all borrow it but (laughs) mine it's all mine but I spend a lot of time out there and I'll be honest with you Nick a lot of times I'll come away my stomach hurts just from the the nastiness the unrelenting nastiness Mm. Is there anything yeah. we can do at an individual level to say, I'm not going to join into this? I'm, I'm not, I'm walking away from this. I'm going to do something different. Yeah, and, and as a person who all community of one million, um, I, I, cer- I certainly get some of that. I get, um, I'll get messages that say, you didn't pr- post about this world issue, or why did you post about this world issue? Oh, did you? <laughs> it's like, wow, I can't, basically, you have to use your space in whichever way you see fit, because there are going to be people upset on either side. If you don't post, if you do post, if you use the comma, if you didn't use the comma, if you respond to a comment, you didn't respond to a comment. Like, people will let you know, uh, know. Um, how they feel about something because they want a voice. 
they want a voice. And really because we're talking to strangers, people feel like they have the right to say um, these things to people, not realizing that I am a person. It's almost like people on the Internet feel like they're talking to bots um, and oh, not people point. who who are real humans, who have feelings, right. who may not be able to um, digest the information when they see it, who might um, not be in a space to receive it. So often what I take the liberty of doing is blocking people when they think, send me mean and nasty messages. I don't respond. I simply block them because what I recognize is, oh, they're looking for an argument. And I'm not arguing with a stranger on the Internet because I like to reserve my argument energy for the people I know, <laughs> not, oh. not, for, not for strangers. And so, and I'm joking there, but um, I, I think we have to manage our communities in whatever ways feel good for us. And that's not always going to work for the people who are in those communities. It's not going to um, work out for the folks who who want to be able to say whatever they want to. You know, perhaps there are other platforms where negative feedback is welcome. But in my space, one of my house rules is no thank you. Oh, I'm with you on that. And here's the thing, too, and this has long been my thought process about people who just get nasty, and and I mean nasty, on Facebook, Twitter. Twitter's a cesspool. But (laughs) you can say, (laughs) ask me what I think about Twitter. It's a cesspool. But the thing is, it's really hard to nuance with a keyboard, and I think people don't recognize that. You know, they may be thinking something, but it's coming out their keyboard completely different. It's being read differently. But the thing is, they're also, and this is just my thought process, they're also pretty sure they're not going to get their nose bloodied in a Walmart <laughs> because you know, if you say mm-hmm. some of the things to me in person that you just said to me or you or anybody else with your keyboard, mm-hmm. you ought to have your nose bloodied. That's my, sorry, my phone is clicking away here like you know but people feel very safe because they think they're anonymous they're not Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they think they are and it's a dangerous dangerous road to go down yeah it's it's super unfortunate and it is mean you know it's so funny that we've had all of these conversations about kids being bullied and anti-bullying policies and then the adults are bullying um i get a lot of messages about you should unfollow this person because, and people will give me this whole And I'm like, I, I just like their sweaters. Like, I'm not digging into the past of people to figure out what they did and, you know, all of these sorts of things. And I, I think it's like, you know, if, if someone has done something that, or if they post too many um, sex memes or whatever, it's like, you shouldn't follow them. And it's like, well, they're a sex therapist. You know, I think they should be able to post those sort of things. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not censoring other people's content. If I don't like it, I won't follow it. And if you don't like it, you shouldn't follow it. But I do think there is this, whatever my idea is, you should have that same idea. And if you don't, I will keep letting you know that your ideas are wrong. And that is anti-boundaries. Because if you're really honoring boundaries, people can have 
whatever sort of community they want. <laughs> you can't determine who someone likes or, you know, these sort of things. Like this is personal choice, and we can't make our choices someone else's. Exactly. And I'm going to give our audience a little tip here. You know that mouse, that scroll, that scroll thing? Use it. Keep on scrolling. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. think that you have to comment on everything that might have possibly offended you that morning. Just get over it. I, I'm so tired of people just oh, in like what you're describing. That's just unconscionable, really. So boundaries. When do you know? How do you identify the signs when boundaries are needed? Ne- neglecting self-care. You mentioned that resentment, overwhelm. Overwhelm and avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. Ah, now I can't talk. I, I'm all, I'm all head up. You know, I'm ready to rock and roll here. It, it seems like we've talked a bit about avoidance, but let's talk about identifying those signs, whether they're your boundaries or somebody else's. But I really want to talk to you about neglecting self-care. How does that become a boundary? Yeah, we have to prioritize ourselves first. And when we do not, we are prioritizing other people, other things that have little or nothing to do with us. So self-care is really about yourself. So when you wake up, you can decide what you want to do. Do you want to start pouring into other people, other things, or do you want to pour into yourself? Do you want to wake up earlier to have that time to pour into yourself? But self-care is really what we make it. So... How do we understand what I'll go back a little bit to my I guess it's a boundary. I'm one of those people I don't sleep a whole heck of a lot. I never have. I've catnapped all of my life. My mother would say, you know, Denise is one of those people when she wakes up, the devil says, oh, crap, she's awake. Well, I'm always awake. It's just I'm not an insomniac. I just don't require much sleep. And I would find that. You know, I'm up and down all night long. I may sleep a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there. I may make a gumbo in between those hours. It doesn't. I'm always doing something. And I would find that when I woke up for the final time in the morning, which is almost always before dawn, I literally would hit the floor running. You know, my eyes pop open. I'm gone. My sister, who's deceased now, would not spend any time in a hotel room with me. Because I drove her nuts. I woke up. I was ready to go. We had to get separate hotel rooms because she hated me oh, in the wow. morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. And I, I'm remembering that. She, I mean, she was like, don't talk to me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Off we go. But, but the thing is, I had to learn. And I'll be honest with you. I learned it through people like you who have come on this podcast and shared their wisdom and their tips with me and with a very large audience. I had to learn that I was not practicing gratitude or not real gratitude. So now, and I've done this for quite a while, when I wake up for that final time, instead of bolting out the door or bolting out of the bed, I will sit. First of all, I'll move the cat off my bladder because that's going to be a problem. And I will not get out of bed until I have gone through what I'm very grateful for that day, yesterday, Life, it doesn't matter. And I really practice what I call immense gratitude before my hit, my feet hit that floor. Mm. And it's made a difference. It's made a big, big difference in how I view life, my own life. So I guess that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about with boundaries. I had to create my own just from, you know, my waking state. 
Yeah, I think so often, you know, your boundaries are really curated when you get to know yourself better and you start to understand your needs and what you like and what you don't like. And so many times our feelings help us determine what our boundaries are because we know how we respond or how, you know, we feel something with something like, oh, wow, a boundary is needed here. So it is really important to understand yourself. That really helps you understand your boundaries. You know, I never looked at them as boundaries. I always knew what I liked and didn't like. And, you know, I'm kind of a Mm -hmm. bossy person. I'm an A-type personality, so I'm bossy. I'm told I'm bossy. I don't think I am. (laughs) But anyway, that's not true. I know I am. But it Mm -hmm. never occurred to me that my boundaries were porous, very, very porous. So I wanted to Mm. get to that, too, because you talk about understanding the three levels of boundaries, porous, rigid, and healthy. What are those? Mm. So porous boundaries are boundaries that are unstated. They're not clear. Um, They're really things that you may be unaware of that bother you, or they are things that you are aware of that you haven't spoken to other folks. So, um, when we say, I don't, I don't have any boundaries, well, maybe you don't have any clear boundaries, but you have some ideas about how you want to be treated, what you would like in this situation. Those are typically considered poorest boundaries. And rigid boundaries are those where the boundaries are so strict that we're keeping people out, we're building walls. So the boundaries typically sound like always or never. I never help people. Um, oh, with with their relationships. I never talk to people about anything that's personal to me. I never, you know, those sort of very um, severe boundaries that we have is really meant to keep people out and to keep us protected by having this sort of shell around ourselves. And healthy boundaries are those where we're communicating what we need, we're open to Um, receiving and giving support in some instances, and we feel really fulfilled in our relationships. Hmm. So let's go back to rigid. That's interesting Mm -hmm. because I didn't know that, you know, that was how you would identify them. But what if you like being rigid? What if that's who Mm -hmm. you are and you're fine with it? Well, I would say most people who have rigid boundaries, they may say that they're found, but they typically tend to feel a bit lonely because there is no one there to support them, even if they could support themselves. There's no one there to support them. It's just them because they have created a world where they don't need people. Okay. I think you just described my father. Mm. I was, you know, he was a strange guy. <laughs> he really was. <laughs> but he was... Very, very, I think I'm convinced he was lonely, but nobody could get close to him. None of us. We, mm-hmm. We've reached a point where as adults we didn't try. And now I'm feeling mm-hmm. bad for him. He's been deceased for a while, but now I'm wondering if it wasn't healthy. I mean, he was rigid and it wasn't healthy. So I guess I just answered my own question. Mm. Interesting. Did it feel healthy to him? Who knows? He didn't communicate. Hmm. So there was no one. And here's the thing. 
we can't exist without people. I mean, even if you say, I don't need anyone to help me, you need someone to deliver your packages. You need someone to help you get food. Like there's so many things <laughs> that we do actually need people for. And the the more we lean into the idea that we actually need people, the easier that life will, will be for us. I think about um, people aging and how challenging that is. And most of the time it's challenging because we're fighting this idea that we don't need people. We don't want anybody to, to help us stand up. We don't want anybody to um, maybe take us to the grocery store. We don't want anybody to tell us anything. We've gotten to the point where it's like, no, I want to do everything ourselves, and it makes it impossible for someone to care and support you. We all need help at some point. There's a really good book, um, Olive Kittredge, and Olive Kittredge, I think it's like two books. Um, In the first book, it's a little different, but the second book, it talks a lot about aging, and just all of the ways that Olive was trying to really fight against. And eventually she had to accept, I, 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 am, I need help from people. I need this support. Because there is no way to exist as a human without having some level of support at any age. No, I agree with you. So how can, and I'm sure that, that people who will hear this down the road, because this podcast is, is going to be live here in about an hour. It's live now. It's streaming. But it'll be heard over and over and over again over the next several years. It's just the way this thing works. So if there's mm-hmm. anybody in the audience right now who is saying, oh, geez, I'm rigid and I didn't know that I was that rigid, what kind of advice can you give them? Mm. Start to let people in. When someone asks you, do you need any help, think of something to say to them. Of course you do. If you're cooking a meal for a friend and they're sitting in the kitchen with you, have them chop the onion. (laughs) Don't do all of the things yourself. If you go to the store and they say, hey, do you want help to your car? Say yes. You betcha. There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about, oh, my foot isn't broken. I don't need any help. It's like, no, this person works here and they want to help you. Allow them to. And allow people to support you. And it's it's really that easy, isn't it? Because it's, I mean, yeah, we're young, we're healthy, we can bounce from the car to the, the buggy, we call them buggies in the deep south rather than carts. And, you know, we're okay, but I've had to kind of train myself if, if somebody, in, in our stores in particular, they hire people who are um, challenged, a little bit challenged, mm-hmm. as, you know, mm-hmm. the buggy boys and, you know, they're baggers and a lot of them have been there for years and years and years, and they genuinely want to be of service. And I had to stop mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 I got it, and look them in the face and say, sure, have a conversation mm-hmm. on the way to the car, say thank you. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. They want to help you. And I had to realize that it wasn't just a throwaway, hey, you know, can I help you to your car? Well, no, thanks. I was actually being rude. took me a while. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it's like, you know, I think it's one of those things that we don't recognize that it's that person's job to help you to your car. (laughs) It's almost like, I don't want them to help me if they don't have to. Actually, you are asking them or you're just saying yes to them doing their job. It's like someone saying, you know, hey, can I 
can I get this plate for you at a restaurant? Yes, this is, you know, this is a part of the service. You're not requesting anything that they would not do. And these seem small, but they're not. Mm -hmm. Because this one guy in particular, I mean, I first noticed him. He was probably 17 or 18 years old. And I've watched him grow up, and not too long ago, I hadn't seen him in a while because I don't go to that store all that often. And he said, hey, I've been missing you. And I went, I almost didn't recognize him. He'd aged a bit. I guess I had too. And I said, hey, how are you? He said, I don't see you in the gym anymore. I have, I've had my own gym now. I haven't gone to the gym in probably 10 years. He remembered me, and he wanted to chat mm. and visit. I took the time. I'm always in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I took the time because that's who mm -hmm. he is, and that's what he wanted to offer me. You can't turn that down. You shouldn't turn that down. Yeah. But it's, that's part and of it, just those little that? small – I know. I mean, I, I had to stop and think. I said, you know, I've had my own gym in my garage for about 10 years. He said, yeah, I told you I missed you. Oh, my God. I hugged him. I almost cried. Oh, wow. Isn't it beautiful to be remembered? It is, and I don't expect to be remembered because I'm in, I'm out. I'm a very private person. I'm an introvert. I've got my baseball cap on. I've got my big sunglasses on. I'm always surprised when somebody says hello. They always do. It's the South, mm. but I'm always surprised by it. But it took me a long time to realize that by tossing away his assistance, I was tossing him away. It was just so darn rude. Mhm. Mm yeah, for sure. Interesting, interesting. And because, you know, I consider myself to be fairly rigid in some areas. That's why I'm asking. I'm not asking for the heck of it. I'm trying to understand if I've gotten a little bit more healthy about that. And guess what? I have. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it, it's so important to think about how we might be impacting our relationships by refusing help. You know, if if we really need something, we're like, nobody is helping me. It could be a product of you always refusing help and people know that you don't need any help, so they don't even answer. They don't even ask anymore. That's true. You know, if you're putting yourself out there as just being, you know, I've got this, I've got everything, I'm superwoman, I'm super mom, I'm super business person, after a while, people don't ask. I made that mistake, mm -hmm. too. So mm -hmm. I'm so, I'm so glad that I'm getting healthier. <laughs> I'm realizing this is, as we're talking because I didn't realize my boundaries were just so darn rigid for a very long time, longer than they should have been, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels good to really open them up and experience these deeper levels of, trust and connection and relationships. And it's hard to do. Again, let's go back to the Internet when people can be so darn nasty. But you know what I've found? People are also very forgiving. They're very giving. They want to help. Listen, as an entrepreneur, and I know you know this as well, I've said this many times on, on my podcast, if you want help, ask somebody who is better than you are at it. Because as an entrepreneur, they genuinely want you to succeed. Don't be afraid to ask. Just don't. It's the mm. worst thing you can do is say, oh, they're very important. They're not going to talk to me. 
chances are they're going to talk to you and they're going to be helpful. Now, they're not going to give you a $1,000, you know, hour-long consultation, but they'll respond. They always do. In my experience, I've only had one person who did not respond. One. One. And I've been Mm. doing this for almost 20 years. I think that says a lot right there. Yeah. It's like you you already know um, where to go for help. I think once you open it up and you start to ask people, you know, can you help me or this is, you know, I need your support in this way, you start to, to be more comfortable doing it. Very much so. So how do you communicate and honor your boundaries once you you figure out what they are? And from the conversation we're having, Nedra, I'm guessing that boundaries are in flux all of the time. They're not just set in stone and you're going to have them from birth to death. (laughs) Yeah, boundaries shift. You know, over time we change and I think our boundaries around things change. There are so many times when um, my boundaries are just different based on, you know, what I need. I think at the top of the pandemic, so many of us had to adjust our boundaries because of the many different things that were happening if we were at home with people or if we were at home alone, working from home, just so many things where we had to shift boundaries. And that is such a normal part of the process, just shifting as needed. We can be okay with things sometimes in relationships for you know, I don't know, 20 years, and then that 21st year, we say, I don't like this thing anymore. So it really depends. You can shift your boundaries whenever you need to. There are no hard rules on keeping boundaries forever. Good to know. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm following along with how you're thinking, and I'm realizing that my boundaries are in flux, and they should be. But I should also examine them, not just go, oh, well, that one feels good. Let's go do this today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Yeah, your boundaries will shift based yeah, on do. what you need. And just thinking about your feelings. When you feel uncomfortable with something, that might be a time to set a new boundary. Exactly. So let's talk about, I'm going to go back to anxiety, depression, and relationships. What are you reading? What is the current research that you think can help our our audience today? Yeah, I think the thing that currently can be helpful as it relates to boundary is people, you know, and this has been a long-term thing, but we have to teach people how to be in relationship with us. We have to practice the art of listening. We have to help them practice the art of listening. People typically are in relationships in a very patterned way. It's it's not unique to the individual. And so, so much of the work of being in healthy relationships is communication. If you read any book on marriage, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about communication. If you read any book on business, it's typically about communication because it's so important that we are talking to people in relationships and not just assuming that they know what we need based on, like, as a human, they should know that I need blank. Well, people don't know that way. And we no. very clearly have to tell them. And leadership, you know, leadership books, same thing. How are you communicating? How are you sharing? How are you talking mm-hmm. to and with people? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know why communication is such a big deal for people, but it, it clearly is. So when people are saying, <laughs> it's the man and woman thing, men will say, well, you know, women, da, 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 and women will say, well, he didn't talk to me. Well, God, that's, it's a common problem, I think. But I think it's really understanding and communicating. It really is understanding and communicating. And the communication piece, would get you healthier and happier quicker than waiting for people to figure out your needs. People are not that intuitive um, unless they have some practice in this and, you know, they've made it their life work to, to figure out what people want without the people telling them, which is typically not the case. No. And honestly, if people knew what I was thinking most of the time, I would have to put myself in a dark cell. Just, you know, <laughs> it's a tricky place in there. I don't want people poking around and what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Okay, so we we figured out our, our boundaries. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that people listening to us today are going to sit down and say, well, you know, I've got this personal boundary. I've got these business boundaries. I've got these Internet boundaries. I don't know, maybe put them on a, an index card. I love index cards. And then start figuring out what those boundaries are. Are they rigid? Are they healthy? Are they porous? Do I need to make changes? Where do I go? What do I do? Is that a good idea to sit down with your boundaries and identify them? Absolutely. I think it's important for us to think about um, what we need and what we want. Earlier um, this month, I sat down and I wrote out my values in various areas of my life. So work, family, um, my home, my friendships, my spirituality, all of these finances, all of these different areas, I wrote out my my values, and that helps me to determine what my boundaries are. Oh, good point. I think if we're clear that's an excellent about, point. Yeah, if we're clear about what we want in our lives, it's much easier to get rid of the stuff that's not in a line, um, that's not aligned with what we want. You know, if I if I go to the store and I'm looking for a blue blazer, I can walk past all of the red, pink, purple, turquoise, you know, like all of these other things because I'm looking for a blue blazer. And so it makes so much sense to have an idea of a starting point so we're not like in these relationships like, I don't know what I want, I don't know what's happening. Well, you have to be clear. And that's how we get to this space of having easier relationships because we're very clear. It's like with dating. Um, if you're dating for marriage and you go on a date with someone who says, well, I don't ever want to be married, you don't need a second date with that person. <laughs> it's like that's not in line with what you want for yourself. So being super clear about what you're looking for, what you want in your life, who you are, really helps you to determine what your boundaries are. And that requires focus, doesn't it? You can't just say, oh, well, you know, that's a good idea. I'm going to think about that. Doesn't it require that you sit down and focus on what that maybe random thought was, but it was important? It keeps, I don't know about you, but when something's really wanting my attention, it keeps popping up either on a podcast or I read it somewhere. And, you know, it's like you buy a silver Range Rover and you're the only one in town until you see eight more 
running down the road. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm not special after all. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, that's you have to have That's those, so when those signs, yeah. I know, when those signs keep poking you in the eyeball, pay attention. And then shouldn't you sit down and focus on why that's coming to you over and over again? And doesn't that become mm. a boundary or change a boundary? Yeah, I think the why is important, but I think the most important thing is our action. Gotcha. Our action is the most important thing. The why is great. And I think we could, you know, we could we could sit down forever and wonder why, what's going on here. But I think acting sometimes is a bit more important than contemplating what's going on behind the scenes because that's where the change comes, the action, not the thinking necessarily. Right. And, you know, you hear this a lot with people. I've got to lose weight. I don't know why I'm so heavy. Or, you know, I'm in this bad marriage. I don't know why it's so bad. And they're trying to go back to the genesis of all of this, which I'll be honest with you, I think is a complete waste of time. If you're looking in your rearview mirror all the time, you're going to run over something that you didn't see. You're going to hit it head on. Absolutely. And I think, you know, those things are important. Those things are important. Why are you in this space and that sort of thing? But the, the biggest thing right now is that you no longer want to be there. Exactly. I get That's what I was trying to say. It's like, okay, I don't know why I have this ongoing issue from my childhood. I need to figure it out. I'm just bloody-minded enough to say, no, I don't. I'm aware of it. Now I need to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we really dig into the the why without getting to the change part. Do you think that's a a way of procrastinating? You know, it's just a way of saying, okay, I'm aware of it, but if I keep poking into what happened to me when I was three years old, I don't know what happened to me when I was three years old. I don't know what happened to me when I was five years old. It doesn't matter. But it's, it's a way of... Just saying, oh, well, if I, you know, if I get this figured out, it'll all fix itself. But you're not taking action, so you're just kind of procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Am I way off base there? No, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're correct there, and I think that it is one way for us to not act. Maybe it's buying us some time to be in this thought pattern of, you know, is it this? Is it that? Maybe we're not ready to act. And that's okay mm-hmm. too. That we're just in this phase of, yeah, we're in this phase of contemplation. We're not ready to do anything about this oh, problem yet. Sense. Right, that makes sense. But at some point, I think it's like, okay, you need to pull yourself out of those weeds and go do something about it. But that requires that you're really paying attention to what your focus is and you know, what you want to do. Do you want to keep wallowing in it? Do you want to keep poking? Are you ready to do something? So, again, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, how aware are you? How self-aware are you? Let's talk about self-awareness because, you know, and you mentioned the pandemic. I think people, I hope, people are a lot more self-aware now, except those keyboard warriors. I still don't like them. I'm never going to like them. (laughs) But, But, you know, I think people have understood or are understanding that we have, we're a bigger world now. We have a lot of people that we can help and be of assistance to and that can help us. And we don't need to know them. We don't need to meet them for coffee, but we need to be 
I think, more aware of how people really are and what they bring to the Mm. table. Is that making any sense at all? I'm rambling, I think. It does make sense. And I I think that relationships are a choice and inaction is a choice too. And so we do have a choice in what we deal with and what we don't deal with. A certain type of relationships, it's harder to conceive leaving those relationships because we don't want to deal with something. But it's certainly an option to not be in any type of relationship that you don't want to be in. Understood. Well, let's talk about you a bit because I feel like I've been interrupting an awful lot and I am rambling. I caught myself doing it. So let's talk about, you know, you said you have a million people following you. How did you do that? Where did you come from? How did you do this? Because I think it's fascinating, your story. Mm. You know, it came from this space of, just wanting to be intentional in my social media usage. I was not um, a huge social media user prior to 2017 when I started using this platform um, for mental health and relationships. I had, like, Facebook for one year from 2009 to 2010, and I had Instagram, but the app wasn't even on my phone. That's how infrequently I used it. And to be honest, when I first started using it, thought it was a picture, um, like a picture app. I thought you just modify, go in there and you change your pictures, that sort of thing. So, you know, to be in a space now where I have, you know, almost a million people in my community, I think it was built very organically, just posting content that I thought would be helpful to people around mental health and, and relationships because it from a therapist's perspective, we can learn so much. And so often we see therapists as these, you know, bobbleheads who just kind of nod yes and no. And we really have a lot of insight from our seat in the chair. And to be able to share that insight and to have it received, I think it's just valuable. And people, they've come to understand that. And it really, you know, sits well with folks. See, I love that idea because – You know, you're right. I mean, therapists, you think, okay, I'm going to go sit in a chair. They're going to bill me 150 bucks an hour, and I'm going to go home and eat a tub of Rocky Road ice cream. That's not the truth, Mm -hmm. is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think there there are so many things that, you know, a therapist can see. And we can't always say directly to people, um, you need to break up with this guy, but certainly on Instagram, I could, you know, say something like, here's seven signs that you may need to break up with someone. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't say I don't to my say clients to my directly, client. he's a jerk. You know, it's like, no, I, I can't say that because I have to let you figure that out. But I think there are other faces where I can be a little more forthcoming about things that we might see as therapists that are clear indications that this relationship is not headed in the right direction. So, And I love that you say that. I've got a couple of girlfriends now that are in pretty rocky marriages, and they they know that they can tell me anything they want because I am not going to say, oh, you've got to lose him. I'm not. That's their issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to trash Mm -hmm. their husband. Not Not my job. My job is to listen, and if there's something that I think I can do to help, I will. But my job is to listen and never throw it back at them. 
never. So mm-hmm. as a result of that, they're willing to, you know, go ahead and say, okay, blah, 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 blah. And then we go on to something more fun. Like, you know, we'll talk about something that we're both really interested in. But they can tell me anything they want. I'm never going to say lose the jerk. I may think it, but then again, I don't know his side of the story. So I don't think it very long. I, I just don't. But what what I really wanted to ask you, too, is what are the biggest things, let's go with the top three things that you're seeing on your Instagram uh, platform right now. What are the big questions that people are really concerned with or worrying about right now for relationships, for mental health, for anxiety? One of the biggest things is getting back into this sort of parapandemic space where we're not Mm -hmm. in the world and operating and how do we set our boundaries around COVID. Um, that's one of the biggest things that I'm seeing right now. The other thing I always think is relationships. You know, people are trying to figure out how to be in healthy relationships and how to maintain those relationships. And I think the third thing that I'm seeing a lot of is people really being hard on themselves and others for being human, for just having feelings, for making mistakes for not always getting it right, for not acting in their best interest. There is a lot of, I did this, I'm a terrible person, or this person did this, and you're a terrible person. And people can do bad things and not be bad people. Um, can you give people us some can, examples? Yeah. No names, just give about, us some examples. <laughs> you know, I think about um, when when things happen in the world and sometimes in the news, there are people who will say, oh, my gosh, this person did this thing and it was terrible. And then there's this other side that comes out where where they say, you know, this person always helped me. They were always kind. It's so hard to believe this about this person. And so it leads me to believe that many people are more than one way. We exist as more than one thing. We are not all bad. We are not all good. There are many parts of us, and we decide who we show those parts to. And for some reason, some people get, you know, this good side, and some people get a mixture, and some people get the bad side. And so we are mixed up in this sort of way where we're, you know, many of us are trying to do do good and be better, and some of us aren't. And we have to decide what we want to do in those relationships where people are showing mostly their bad side, right? Um, it's, it's not for us to get them to change because we can't change people, but we can certainly change the way in which we allow them to show up in our lives. Perfect. And, you know, I will say I don't watch the news. I cut off cable 10 years ago or longer. I'll never have it in my house again. That doesn't mean that I am not fully aware of what is going on in the world, in our country. I'm fully aware, but I get my news from sources that I kind of sort of trust. I don't trust any of them fully, but I don't pay any attention to mainstream media and I don't, you know, I just don't. But it's been my, my observation that something will happen. And, you know, it's a 24-hour news cycle. We can't get away from it. And then 24 hours later, it's all been refuted. I would advise everybody to not listen to the first 
iteration of whatever the news cycle is going to be. Wait for the actual mm-hmm. news to come out and find a different way to find that news because that will depress the heck out of you. If you listen mm-hmm. to the world news every day, you're going to be depressed. There's no, there's no getting around it. Yeah, but some people, you know, I think some people really enjoy the news and they really do like being informed. And I appreciate those people because some of them are my friends and they tell me about things that I had no clue about. Yeah, same here. (laughs) But I'm just not going to watch it on TV. Yeah, I'm not a huge news news person either, but I do like, you know, I do like to know some things. So I I get to hear that perspective from other folks. Um, Same and yeah, I want to and hear you're from right. people, we not from the news. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So we've got about three more minutes. This went really fast. I told you it's the fastest 60 minutes on the Internet. What do you want people to know, or how do you want them to kind of care for themselves today and every day? Mm. I think a really important thing to know is that you can have um, boundaries, and it takes practice. It's not a, you know, I did it one time. I should never have to do it again. It's, it takes practice to be where you want with your boundaries. It takes practice to have healthy relationships. We don't just fall into those. Exactly. To get better. Better. To get oh, better at, at being in relationships. Or not. You know, some people don't want to be in relationships, but as long as they understand that about themselves, I guess that's okay. Yes, that's, and that's really important, too. As long as you understand you don't want to be in relationships, then that's great. But I think sometimes there are some people who are really forcing themselves to be in relationships, and they don't want to be. Right. I see that quite a bit. Nedra, where can people find you? Before I let you go, um, just tell people where they can find you and mention your Instagram. Yes, so I am most present on Instagram at Nedra Tawab. Um, I have a website that has some useful quizzes and worksheets and information about my practice and my book, and that is NedraTawab.com. Spell Tawab for us. T A. W-W-A-B. Gotcha. Listen, Nedra, it has been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and advice that you shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes, Prime. We're on Amazon Prime. We're in Audible. Anywhere you consume your business podcast, you can find us. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Nedra, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time with me today. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.